just lost an hour. You know, I don't like that trade-off. You know, I know the silver lining of it is that you have an extra hour of daylight. And right now I could really use that. But it never feels like a good trade-off. Like it's like, oh yeah, well yeah, earlier in the year, or last year, the end of last year, you got an hour. You gained an hour. And it always hits me by surprise. Like fortunately I did see something the other day about the time change. So I'm glad it didn't totally blindside me, but I'd completely forgotten about it. And I got out of the shower and all of a sudden it was like 3 a.m. But it's not a fair trade-off because I feel like losing an hour always feels worse than gaining an hour. Because when you gain an hour, for me, like when I see that happen, it's a nice feeling on one hand. It's nice to be looking at the clock and instead of turning to 2 a.m., it goes back to 1 a.m. or however it works. But it's usually just an excuse to waste an hour. Whenever that happens, like I've already, I'm already locked down to whatever I'm doing for the night. So it's just like, oh, I guess I have an extra hour to do nothing. And even though that's nice, it's not like I use that hour in some meaningful way. Whereas losing an hour is just a total loss. And in both cases, it's like I'm already dialed into my plan for the night. Even if I don't have a, you know, it's on the weekend, even if I don't have anything, even if I don't have anything I have to do. I don't know, it feels, the trade-off doesn't feel fair. And so it does a number on me psychologically. Like right now, I just, I feel this level of dis-ease. And it fucks with your eating schedule too, if you're not prepared. Because I had just eaten before my shower. I got in my, I lifted my weights. Then I took a shower. And uh, so the fact that I lost an hour or two screws in my eating schedule. Anyway, anyway. Another thing, too. <laughs> Another thing. Uh, I've been playing that game Wordle, and I don't like that name. I don't like the word Wordle, but it's become a popular game that people play online, and I recommend it. I highly recommend it. It's a really fun game. They only let you do one a day. It's kind of like doing the crossword or something where there's only one a day, and then you have to wait 24 hours. And there's some other site that allows you to do it unlimited it's called wordle unlimited so you can just play as long as you want and it's good practice and i really i genuinely enjoy those kind of games where basically the idea is that you know it's a five letter word every day and so you first you guess you type in any five letter word and then it tells you which letters if you didn't get it right which of course you're never going to get it the first time it tells you which letters are in the word and if the if, if the letter that you typed in, if the letters that you typed in are in the location where it's supposed to be to get the right word, it turns green. So you know that it includes that letter in that location. And if it includes the letter, but it's not in that location, it shows it as yellow. And it really is like a mathematical equation. You know, there is a, there is a math, just like people say mathematics are a language, there's also a math a mathematics to language. And I think some people can do it both. I'm not a math guy, so that's not me. But I am very language oriented. And so it is like solving this equation where you're like, it requires you to know, it requires you to have a, a decent vocabulary. It does, it, you have to know how to spell. And I, I genuinely enjoy that. And I've gotten, I, I played it 18 times. I try to do it every day since I found out about it, but I don't always remember. But I've, I've won 18 out of 18 times. And uh, you know, I wait for the next day and I do the next one. And there is something satisfying about only being able to do one at a time. Even though it's fun to do the unlimited version and just play forever if you want, there is something extra meaningful and satisfying, like you're in the playoffs. Because if you get it wrong, there's no retry. And it remembers, it tells you like cookies or the cookies, the cookie algorithm, but uh, the cookies remember you. And so it tells you how many you've done. It tells you how many days you've won in a row, but I'd never lost. And then tonight I lost for the first time. I lost an hour and I lost at Wordle for the first time because it was a word. I was able to figure out that it was a word that ended in U.S., 
And there's only so many five-letter words that end in U.S. And the other thing it does is it tells you which letters aren't in it. So if you type in a word, in addition to telling you if certain letters are in the word, in addition to telling you if you have letters in the word that are in the right place, it tells you if the letters aren't in the word. And so it kind of it blocks those out. And so based on like which letters had been blocked out and the fact that it ended in U.S., I was really stumped. I was just like, huh, it's not Nexus. And you get five tries too, I should add. You get five tries before you either win or fail. And sometimes you get it on the second try. I've gotten it on the second try before. Never gotten it on the first try. Usually you end up getting it on the fourth or fifth try, just how it goes. But this one, it just, something that ended in U.S. I tried Pious. That was out. And you just, I couldn't think of that many words that ended in U.S. And so finally I thought I had it. I was on my very last try. Gripping story here. But I was on my very last try and I was like, Modus. Modus. M-O-D-U-S. And so I typed that in. No, it was Focus, which should have been obvious. Should have been obvious that it was Focus. I was thinking about all these weird words. I was thinking about all these scientific words, and it has to be a word that's known, you know, it has to be a word that's in the dictionary. It's like Scrabble, where, you know, it has to be a word, an established English word. But yeah, focus, I just didn't think of it. That was the most obvious one. Based on the letters I had available, too, I should have been able to think that, but it was just, normally, like I said, it's a mathematical equation, and normally I'm able to be like, by the, by the third or fourth time, I have a pretty good idea. But focus, huh? I should have focused. Oh, you should have. They're telling you, you should focus. But I'm kind of glad I lost. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have a flaw sometimes. Because the thing is, when you keep winning, when your record is flawless, you have this added pressure to keep doing it. Like you have this added pressure where it's like, oh no, I have a perfect record. I have a perfect record on Wordle and I have to maintain it now. It's like when a boxer is undefeated or a team is undefeated. There's this added pressure. Whereas like if you think about the NFL, like if your team is undefeated by game 10 or 11, you're like, oh man, it's not that I care that much about losing a game. It's that now we have the potential of having a a perfect season and it would suck to have just one loss you start there's this added pressure to now it's got to be perfect whereas if your team is like 10 and 2 it's nice because you're you're like oh we can still be the top seed in the playoffs we can still be a contender but there's not this pressure to maintain a perfect score so i'm a lot like a team i'm a lot like a playoff bound team who I have a perfect record and I've made it this far. Now I can just relax and be like, you know what? I'm just playing Wordle for fun. It's no longer about my perfect record. It does suck though. Cause it tells you like you've won a hundred percent. Like there's a little, after you win, there's a little, uh, there's like a little scorecard. Like I said, that tells you how many you've won, tells you what your, your current streak is. The percentage of games you've won. And now mine went from saying 100. Now it says 94%. And I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. That's how I feel. I feel like, oh, 94. Oh, my God. Not happy with it. But, you know, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good to do it. Tonight was the night to lose an hour and to lose at Wordle for the first time. But the thing is, I take a lot of pride in spelling and language. Like, I know I mispronounce things. I know I say things wrong. Especially if you do this. Like I've said before, I only listen back to these one time. You know, if I do an every night to school night, which, God, I've forgotten about, forgotten about those. But if I do an every night to school night, I might listen back to it a few times just because it's like, oh, there's music. It's more than just me talking, but I'll, I listen back to these once just to kind of make sure there's no errors, to make sure I didn't say anything that will ruin my life, although maybe I've done that. 
but uh, you know, listen back and listening to yourself talk is always torture. It's funny how you hear your own voice. You hear the worst things in it. People used to talk about that because it used to be like you you wouldn't hear yourself talk. You know, when I was growing up, like if your family for a little while, my family had a camcorder or something. And even as a little kid, I remember hearing myself talk on videotape and being like, I don't sound like that. Oh, my God. Like hating my voice. Not hating it, but just being like, oh, I don't I really don't like the way I sound. And that's common because you hear that from a lot of people. When they hear their voice, they're like, that isn't, that's not how I sound. But uh, when you do this, it's a whole other story. Because it's not just that you don't like the sound of your voice. Which I, I don't give a shit about the sound of my voice now. But you uh, you hear like when you misspeak and things. And I don't know. It's just, It's a certain form of torture. But it's also good for you. It's also good for you to have to carry on a monologue by yourself. And we live in this age, too, where a lot of people make videos of themselves talking. You know, there's an entire... What's interesting is it's kind of a... Speaking of trade-offs, like trading daylight savings for whatever the other one is, daylight savings, daylight... What's the other one called? Are they both called daylight savings? I guess this is daylight savings. The other one... I don't know. I don't know which one is which. But uh, the interesting thing about trade-offs is you know, young people today don't have a lot of experience talking on the phone. A lot of them are afraid of it. And that's not just Zomers. It's also millennials. And there's a, a kind of a generational cutoff within the generation. Where when I was a kid, you talked on the phone to your friends a lot. Your friends would just call you, like obviously to get together and things like that, but they would just call you and you'd talk for a little while. And when you were a teenager, that would happen. Like people started getting cell phones in uh, high school, when I was in high school. I got one, I ended up getting one, I think the very end of my junior year. And a lot of people I knew already had them because cell phones have gotten cheap too. They've gotten really small and cheap. They've gotten small and cheap. The Nokias were big. Those little Nokias, which I think are better than what we have now. They were just like this little mini phone. And uh, so I ended up getting one then, which ended up being really convenient. But I didn't use it that much. Because the idea, like when you got a phone at that point too, your parent was like, this is just so I can contact you because you're driving in case of emergency, whatever, which makes total sense why you would get a kid a phone for that reason. It's not like people were messaging each other all the time. Nobody had the internet on their phone that I remember. But even then, like, like you know, you didn't, I, I still remember the first text message I ever got. It was from a girl. It's from a girl I really liked. And she liked me too, but we, nothing ever happened. Just one of those stories. Or we hung out, but I, I had no experience with girls. Here we are in the, in, in the girl conversation, but I had no experience with girls, and she was older than I was and really smart and cool. And I was still, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't know. I just had no. It, it was really obvious she liked me, too. When I look back on that, I really kicked myself. Because that's something that a lot of, like, now I know. Like now it's pretty obvious to me if a girl likes me, it's not that hard. And actually I feel a sense of dread sometimes depending on who it is. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's, this is at play. Not always a sense of dread. Sometimes, I mean, obviously you like it, but, uh, when you're, when you're a teenager, you really don't know sometimes. And then I remember like after she lost interest, cause I, nothing ever happened. You, you hang out for a few months Nothing ever happens, like nothing, in one way or another. Like not even, not even like asking any, not even, not even, never clarifying anything like that. Nothing ever happens. I'm not, I'm not just talking about getting down. I'm not talking about making out. I'm just talking about like nothing. But she sent me the first text message I ever got, and it was like an, it was an event. I was at home, and I saw that I had a message. 
and she was at work. She worked at a, a subway. She was a, she worked she was a conductor on a subway. No, she worked at a subway sandwich place, and she had this coworker that she was obsessed with. Like not obsessed with in that way. She was obsessed with him because he was this really awkward dorky kid who I he went to our school, but I'd never heard of him. And uh, I remember his name. I've never once spoken to him, but his name was Brian Bell. And she would all, her and her friends had this whole like they had this whole uh, like mythology about him about like what he did at home and how he spent his time and what he thought about because he was just this really awkward kid and he looked kind of weird. He looked weird. And they weren't being mean to him or anything, but he was just this this weird enigma. And they would always they would call him Brian Bell. They would never call him Brian. They would say Brian Bell. Oh, Brian Bell came into work today and blah blah blah. But she sent me a message and it just said Brian Bell is wearing a necklace made of shells. And I don't think it was a puka shell necklace. I think it was one of those ones. Those shells, I guess, are they herm? What are those little, uh, like, snail shells? I don't know what those are. Like, those little shells that have an opening. Usually they have some kind of lacquer on them. But she's like, Brian Bell is wearing a necklace made of shells. First text message I ever got was about this kid's shell necklace. And it was a joke. But in general, like, my friends, like, those of us who had cell phones, we would just call each other. Like, if we were going to meet up to hang out, they just call my phone and be like, hey, we're down at the skate park. What are you up to? Oh, hey, we're going here. Do you want to meet us there? We called each other and just, you know, you, you would talk to people, but it was, you use cell phones to call somebody. And I wish people still did that. You know, making plans, unless you're planning ahead. Like if you're planning ahead for another day, I'm totally fine with a cell phone because then you can reference it. Like, I'm fine with a text message because then you can reference it. It'd be like, oh, I'll check the message. Oh, they said this day, this time. That makes sense to me for planning ahead. But if you have plans with somebody on a given day or they're inviting you to do something impulsively, call me. Call me. It's way easier. Like, I have a friend here who, it's like my only friend these days. Seriously, my, the only person I ever see regularly in, in my town now. But it's like when, if we're trying to like get the dogs together for a walk or something, it's like, it's so much easier just to call and be like, oh, oh, you're going to leave in 15, 20 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas like a text message, you end up spending so much more time and, you, and then you're waiting for their response when it's so easy, unless there's something going on, you just call and say, oh, I'll be there in five minutes. I'll be there in a half hour. But anyway, the whole reason I started going on about this is just because I did grow up in an age where you spent time talking on the phone. And I know that a lot of millennials younger than me didn't do that. By the time that they were of age, they were talking online way more, which I did. You know, my generation did start talking to people through instant messenger and stuff. But it's just a lot of people don't have phone experience and... They're terrified of it from what I understand. I know people who are terrified of the phone. I had a girlfriend who is my age, but she was terrified of talking on the phone. Like it gave her panic attacks to call for appointments, to talk to friends. And so what did I do? I used to call her. That was when I drank. So I, I would like to I would have a few drinks and then I would call her and just bother the hell out of her it was fun though she would laugh you know it wasn't like mean most of the time <laughs> no it was never mean but uh, sometimes it was a bit much but the trade-off the reason i'm getting into this the trade-off is that a lot of young people though have experience making video of themselves and addressing a general audience even if it's just their social media friends and i know not everybody does this I know not everybody makes videos of themselves talking for social media, but now in the, the, the ticker talker age, the ticker age, the age of tick, 
it's very common and I've never had TikTok. I'm never planning on getting it. But every once in a while I'll check it out. To be honest, it's it's, it's only when I'm in a lecherous mood. I've never actually looked at like aside from what gets shared, like aside from like viral ticks of somebody saying something just somebody who's just out of their mind, usually something political. The only ones that I've deliberately sought out are like girls posing and showing off their bodies. Because as I've said before, a whole other topic, but as I've said before, the older I get, the more disturbing I find hardcore pornography. And I was actually, I was talking to my buddy Kyle the other night about that. And I was saying... One time when I was in high school, I think it might have been the first time, one of the first times I ever took an eighth of mushrooms, not like I was doing it all the time, but it was one of the first times I took an eighth of mushrooms and like fully tripped. And I went to the bank. I was doing eBay, I was doing eBay back then, actually. I sold a CD on eBay. And that was before, I think PayPal might have been around, but not a lot of people had it. And so people would send you a money order in the mail. So it was this whole involved process where you're waiting for money orders. And I imagine if you were selling a lot of stuff, it would get confusing. Like, what's this money order for? But I got a money order in the mail for a CD. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I was on mushrooms. And I was like, I'm going to go to the bank. Actually, you know what? No, that story starts out differently. A friend and I have this big plan to take each. We each bought and ate the mushrooms and woke up really early before the mall opened, Bellevue Square in Bellevue, Washington, which is a, it's a big deal. Take, the mall has taken over the whole town since I left, but it's always been an important mall. It's referenced in the movie, Say Anything, Say Anything. They, uh, they don't go there, but they talk about how they met in Bell Square, which is Bellevue Square. Never liked when people called it Bell Square, but we went to Bellevue Square and we ate and ate the mushrooms in the parking lot. And then we went into the mall right as it opened early in the morning and none of the stores were open. And we just walked around the mall for probably an hour. And as they kicked in, we realized we didn't belong there. And I felt like I was nine feet tall. It was this weird feeling where we were walking around this empty mall that was closed pretty much. Like the mall was open, but the stores were closed. And I felt like I felt like I was nine feet tall and I was seeing everything from the perspective of a really tall person or that somebody like a giant had picked me up by my head and was suspe- suspending me a few feet in the air. But it got fucked up. Like, of course, that's a bad idea. Of course, going to the mall on mushrooms is a really bad idea. And I should have known that because there was a time where some friends and I, I don't think this is all my idea. I think the mall thing might have been my idea that time. But there was another time where me and a couple other friends decided to get really stoned. We decided to smoke a bunch of weed and go to the mall. And that actually did sound like a good idea. And we went there and we lasted about five minutes walking around because it was packed. And my friend Nick started saying, oh, people got dressed up to come here. People got dressed up to come here. And I remember like these girls were in front of us with their purses and you could tell like, yeah, they, they were hot to trot. Like they, they got dressed up. They wanted to look good at the mall. And I think that's probably what he was thinking, but we, be, I think he became, cause I, I, I quickly understood what he meant. It's like, he became acutely aware of the fact that people go to the mall and peacock around like people go to the mall. They, they try to look really good. And they strut around. And that's what we were seeing. And we didn't last. Like, we had to get the heck out of there. So why the fuck did I think it was a good idea to go on mushrooms? So we were there for about an hour just walking around. And then we were just like, we got to get out of here. And there's this big park near the mall. And so we went there. And by then, we were just fully tripping. Hallucinating. And uh, it was, you know, this nice little park. and there, But there was a track around it. Like we sat on a bench on the track and there was this big field and this huge tree, but there were people walking and running the track. And so as we were sitting there seeing things and just 
that full on body high, just like rushing in and out of you. These were mushrooms are some of the most powerful I've ever taken actually. And, uh, these people on the track though kept passing us because they were going around in circles and that was so fucked up like having the same people pass you over and over again and so we were like we got to get out of here now and i was like you know what like let's just find my car because i'd parked at the mall and i was like let's just find my car and go back to kirkland and so then we enter the parking garage and bellevue square has like three parking garages and they're multiple stories and they're dark and weird. And we had no idea where my car was. We couldn't remember where we came in. We had no we had zero idea where my car was. And so we wandered around the, the these mul- like multiple store we several multiple story parking garages. And we kept thinking we knew where we kept like getting like a uh, like an epiphany like oh i know it's over here and then we'd go there and then it would be a place that we had just been to it was maddening and then we kept seeing mall security i mean because because at that point we are two men just wandering around the parking garage for probably a half hour and mall security suddenly like we kept noticing mall security drive by and then they would stop and they would have their lights on and we were like fuck like they probably think that we're breaking into cars. And then we ran into this guy and he was like fat with bleached hair and like a, a an East Coast New York accent. I feel like he's the kind of guy I imagine when I do voices on here. And he goes, hey, hey, where's the DMV? Where's the DMV? You know, it was something like that. Like, but but more, you know, just like a guy who had no no politeness. Like, it wasn't like, hey, excuse me, you know where the DMV is? It was like, hey, hey, where's the DMV? And my friend just responded, he goes, I don't know anything. And the guy was just like, huh? Eventually, we found my car, somehow. Like, we found out that there was this other parking garage that was a little bit smaller and off to the side. And, it's, of course, I parked there. And we ended up finding my car, and I was like, I'm just going to drive back to Kirkland. And my friend was like, I'm not riding with you. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go take the bus. And I was like, I, I understand, but I, I just feel like I have to get my car and drive back home. And so I got in my car, and, I, and things got things felt really normal all of a sudden. Like the mechanics and everything, like everything felt really normal. And I had this big jug of iced tea because you need to know every detail. And I took a big swig of it. It was like uh, one of those big bottles of Arizona iced tea. And it made me taste the mushrooms again. Like having, I think it probably made the, it like knocked pieces of mushroom loose or something. I know it's gross, but it like it brought the taste of mushrooms back to my mouth and it combined with iced tea and it was disgusting but i pulled out and as i was driving like i saw this other car and it was one of those old subaru station wagons that looks like a weird mushroom bug they're really stripped down they they look very they look like old science fiction and i was just like holy fuck like that car looks like something I should be hallucinating, but I know it's real. And I remember like looking in my rear view mirror and like my vision was all kind of fucked up, but I got out of the parking garage and it was like pure liberation. Like getting out of the parking garage with my car, I suddenly felt like I, it felt like I was driving better than I ever had. Like I wasn't hallucinating. Music was on. It was a nice day. Like by then, you know, like we had gone there in the morning and it was like probably around noon and the weather was getting nice. I remember being at a stop sign and there were a bunch of cars around me, but it didn't screw with me. I was just like, oh, holy shit, this feels great. And the drive home was amazing. Like I wasn't weaving all over. I felt like driving a kid I'd gone to school with, like he had done the same thing once and he said it was like a video game. And that came to mind and I was like, oh yeah, this is like a video game. You just have to do what you're supposed to do. 
and follow the rules and it's fine. And that's exactly what I did. And I would never recommend it to anybody. But it worked out. And then I got home and I decided to go to the bank. This all has to do with porn, by the way. But I, I, and I was like, oh, I have this money order. I got home and I was just like, oh, I feel great. Driving felt great. I don't want to just hang out at home. So I drove to the bank. And like when I was driving there too, I had that sensation where I was like, everybody's just doing it. Like I saw a guy like getting out of his work truck and like loading up tools. And I was like, he's just doing it. He's just doing his part. Because you know, when you're feeling that way, you feel like in that moment, you kind of feel like everybody you see, it's almost like being in a cartoon town, like the busy world of Richard Scary, like they had a cartoon of that. And it's like the intro shows like everybody in the town, like just doing their jobs and, you know, things like that. And that was how I felt driving to the bank because I was just like, oh, everybody's just doing their part. And, and the way you feel like you imagine everybody has that sense like, even though that guy loading up his work truck was probably like, oh, you fucking work. Oh, my God, I got to do this to feed my fucking kids. God fuck. You know, even though he might have been feeling that, just be, like observing it, you're just like, everybody's just, everybody's just doing life. And I got to the bank. And, and you're just like driving felt like a video game. Like the idea of depositing this money order also felt like a game. It also felt like a simple task I could do that would feel good. Like, I got to accomplish this. And I go in there, and the guy working the the cashier, the, the, the clerk, was this guy from India, but he was Americanized. And I walk up, and he's like, what's up, man? That's how he talked. What's up, man? And I was like, oh, yes. It was the best thing I could have heard. And I go, not much. What's up with you? And he goes, just chilling. Just chilling. And it was like, it sent like shockwaves through me. It was like the best thing I could hear. Like this Indian dude who almost talks in like, kind of like, you know, modern slang. Like almost like talks like a rapper or something. But looks super Indian. And uh, just chilling. And so I handed him the money order and, and he didn't give a shit. Like he, he, he was so laid back and I was like, this was the perfect decision. And then this guy comes over, the manager comes over and he had like a little goatee or something. And he was like, Oh, what's, what's this? Oh, money order. Uh, is that for like uh, eBay or something? Like he guessed, like he guessed right. And it was so disruptive. Like, I had this synergy going on with this other clerk where, what's up? I was just chilling. Whereas this other guy, like the manager, and it wasn't like he thought I was up to no good. He was just being a busybody. Oh, what's this? Oh, a money order? A money order? What'd you do, sell something on eBay? It was, it was just so, like, overly inquisitive and disruptive. And I was like, yeah. And it, it totally ruined it, though. And that tells you something, because even though I'm on a drug and I'm hallucinating... Or not, I wasn't hallucinating, but even though I'm on a drug and I'm like out of my normal mind, it tells you a lot about like people when people like interrupt with it with a question that doesn't need to be asked because that's something that bums you out normally. So it's like in that mindset, you have an understanding not to do that and you feel it tenfold, but you feel that normally too. Like in that situation, if I hadn't been on a drug and I had just gone in and, and the Indian dude had just said what he said and I was like, this guy's cool. And the other guy walked up and he did the same exact thing. I would be like, oh, this is a hassle. This is a bummer. But on mushrooms, it was like I felt it a million times over. Like, oh, yeah, this is the neurotic shit people do that is completely disruptive. It completely disrupts the harmony. It's like somebody walking in when you're like totally engrossed in a movie and says, what are you watching? Oh, who's that? What's happening? What's happening in this movie? It's like that same sort of approach. That's kind of what this guy was like. It was like a movie was playing out in the bank and I was engrossed in it. And this manager walked over and was like, oh, what's this movie? What did you say it was called again? Who's that actor? You know, that's what it felt like. But then I went home from there and then I was like, I have my computer. 
I'm going to look at porn. And those are the days when like, uh, like a porn site, at least the ones that I knew of, it was these sites and it's like a million 30 second clips. It wasn't like full streaming video or anything like that. It was just tons of these thumbnails with 30 second clips. And that seemed great. You know, that, that was better than anything that you'd had before that. And I, uh, but I tried to watch it. And then by then too, like the, the sort of hallucinatory, hallucinatory aspect came back. Cause that's the thing about mushrooms is like, it goes in waves where you'll have a period where you just, you feel like completely out of this world and things look different. You're seeing visuals and then you'll, you'll have these moments where you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm back down to earth and something's going on. There's a body high, but I feel pretty normal. So when I was looking at porn though, like that visual sense came back and I remember looking at it and just, you know, cause when you're on mushrooms, like things take on this like earthy quality. Like you realize that everything is earthy. You realize that everything is organic. Everything seems like it's made of like some doom game, like flesh wall. Like how in like those old school, like hellish first person shooters, how the walls would be made of this like weird demonic flesh. Things take on that kind of characteristic sometimes when you're on mushrooms. And I was like looking at porn and I was just like, this is disgusting. And I even, there was even like a thumbnail for something that was even, was really disgusting by anybody's standards you know, involving like close-ups and I'm not even going to describe it. You can imagine some of the, you know, nothing like, nothing horrible, but just people who were into like really graphic close-up, you know, just gross stuff. And so there was a clip like that and I remember like looking at it and it, it just felt so foreign and disgusting. And so I, I was just like, I can't even, I don't even know what my dick is. I don't even know what this thing is. You know, so I couldn't even look at it. Now I kind of feel that all the time when I look at porn. Like if I see a porn site that has hardcore porn, I get kind of the same feeling where I'm just like, I'm not meant to be looking at this. This is like weird, earthy, something, something bad about this. So I kind of justify it where it's like, I'll look at, um, well, I have to say one more thing about mushroom stories. There was also a time where my mom was out of town and so I bought mushrooms because I was like, this is perfect. I have the whole house to myself for the whole weekend. I bought and ate the mushrooms and I took them, I think, on a Saturday. And I it was when Netflix was new. And, of course, they shipped it to your house. And so I'd gotten, I'd prepared. I'd, I'd planned this. I bought a bunch of weed, you know, what I could afford. I bought as much weed as I could afford. I bought some mushrooms and I was like, this is going to be a great weekend. And it was, it, you know, it was overall a good weekend, but I had gotten this planet earth documentary from Netflix and I was like, this will be amazing watching nature. And I put it on right as I started tripping. And the first thing I saw was an eel coming out of like a coral reef. And there was like all this life. There were like sea anemones, seaweed, like everything was moving because it's in the water. And it was an eel coming out of a hole in this coral reef. But I lost all ability, I lost all ability to differentiate um, like perspective. So it's, it, it seemed flat. And I think maybe that's because it was a TV. Like I think I became aware of the fact that I'm watching a 2D image like even though everything in the video is real what i'm actually watching is a flat tv and so i think that fucked with me where like i realized like oh that's not actually coming out but as a result like the whole scene even though all this stuff was moving which was making me sick it was making me sick to see how much stuff was moving on this coral reef but watching this eel come out of the hole and like you know, the way an eel looks is so fucked up but it was like something coming out of something, but not at all. It was like everything that I was seeing was like one flat entity. But yet things were moving and something like shot out of this hole and I had to turn it off. I was just like, I can't, I can't possibly watch this. This is making me, it was actually making me nauseous to watch it. And I know exactly what I did. I put on cartoons. 
I turned on the TV and I put Looney Tunes on because those were the days where you could just turn on whatever channel and Looney Tunes would be on for 10 hours. And so I just put on Looney Tunes in the background and I didn't, I didn't sit and watch it, but I just had cartoons playing. And I remember like I, I just said to myself, I was like, having cartoons on in the background rules. I probably would have gotten sick if I had watched it, but just having like the sounds of cartoons and like knowing that there's a Looney Tunes on in the other room, I was just like, this is the perfect atmosphere. It's enough so that I'm not just sitting here in silence getting distracted, but it's, you know, not, uh, it's not staring at a coral reef. But anyway, you know, back to porn, I get that feeling more and more now when I see hardcore porn, because like, I'm not a prude. I think there's a lot of problems with the fact that people look at as much porn as they do. I think there are a lot of problems with the amount of porn that's been available for my generation. I don't, as I've said before, I don't think it should be banned. I don't think there should be a prohibition on porn because when you prohibit porn, you make porn necessary again. It's the middle path. It's Buddhism. It's like you can't go full on into asceticism but you don't want to overindulge in it either. So it's like finding a balance, if you can, between um, just like porn needing to exist because it will create itself if you try to prohibit it versus not looking at it all the time. But that said, like I find hardcore porn like really fucked up these days just to see that. It's just weird. And so as a result, like if I, if I do need to look at porn, if I do feel the need, it's like, I do like that we're in, we're in an age where there's just like an endless amount of women posing. And, and I mean, I prefer that anyway. Like I said before, I don't like nudity. I'm not, I'm not that attracted to nudity. So it's just like women and like, you can find like women in very specific articles of clothing, which is very, you know, that's the difference between men and women. Like when they ask women, like, oh, what do you find really attractive in men? And they're like, oh, I like it when he rolls his shirt sleeves up. Oh, I like it when he's in a certain shade of gray sweatpants. I've seen women say things like that. Oh, I like it when he's wearing a very specific shade of gray sweatpants. Oh, I like it when, you know, I like the way he looks when he rolls his shirt sleeves up. Whereas like men, it's like, no, I'm going to create an entire database of women with a certain body type wearing a certain color of yoga pants and uh, doing a very specific pose. And that's not even the half of it. So it's, it's kind of nice in that way that you can find that, that stuff. But what I notice more and more, like, I mean, the, the reason I'm talking about this is because I, it's the only reason I've gone on TikTok. But if you go on to TikTok, it's like it's filled with stuff like that. It's filled with women who just, like every day they just uh, put on a certain like revealing outfit and they just pose. I'm not into the dancing. I'm not into the twerking. There's so much shit where like they're just like shaking around to hip hop, like loud hip hop I've never heard of. I don't like that. But there's a lot of it where it's just there's so many young women out there who are just posing and doing that. But then what I noticed, the reason that got me on TikTok is just... Like a lot of them too have videos where like they address the audience. And so there's all these young people, a lot of women in particular, who have a lot of experience, like I wouldn't call it public speaking, but it sort of is, of just making statements about their life. You know, because I've noticed with like the TikTok kind of like the ones who are kind of like showing off their sex appeal. Like, they try to be funny, and sometimes they are. Like, sometimes they are funny, but, like, that you can tell they have a good sense of humor or something, but, and I, and to be honest, I haven't seen that many, but I've seen, just, just from the few that I've seen, they all kind of do this, and I can imagine it's pretty common, but, uh, I don't know, it's just weird. They all have this, this experience now addressing the public, talking to a video of themselves, and you know they look back, you know, they listen back to it. But then they don't have that experience with the phone. They don't have experience talking on the phone to another person. And a lot of them have severe anxiety over it. You know, I know people do FaceTime and things. I've never done that. 
which I don't like. Like, I mean, the joy of talking on the phone is you can be doing anything. You're not hostage to whatever, like, like all you have to do is hold the phone up to your head, but you can do anything you want. You know, you can do anything. You can multitask if it's a long conversation, but uh, with FaceTime, I'm not a fan because it's like, it's this uncanny valley where you're, you're like, you're pretending that you're in a room looking at somebody, but you're not. And the way everybody is when they do that stuff, like somebody who's on uh, like Skype or uh, Zoom, they end up looking at themselves anyway. And you can tell, like you can tell they keep looking down at themselves, not because they're narcissists, just because it's like we're all self-conscious and we're narcissists. So I don't like the FaceTime thing. I, I did do uh, last year for my friend's birthday. Or, or for like his graduation or something from college. I did like his girlfriend got me to surprise him with like a Google, um, whatever it is like Google Hangouts video. So it's pretty much the same thing as FaceTime. We were looking at each other and it was kind of cool. Like, I mean, I thought it was cool to see him and stuff, but it's the only time I've done that. And it was a special occasion, but not totally sold on it either. I don't think that you need to be like looking at somebody. I like that a traditional phone call just involves like I can walk around and do what I want. I can do stuff around the house. You know, it's just, but it's funny, the trade-off where like people now have this weird experience addressing the public through videos, but they don't have the experience talking for hours on the phone. And a lot of them don't have the skills. So it's just one of the things that's developed, but uh, I don't know. I wish I could teach phone conversations. I wish I could teach people, teach classes on how to do it, not customer service, just how to talk. Because I used to feel awkward on the phone when I was young, and then I just got over it. Like I used to be somebody when I was a lot younger, when I was a teenager, I would feel really anxious calling to make an appointment. But uh, now, whatever, I'm happy. I mean, I, I talk to strangers on the phone now. Not strangers, but people I've never met in person, and I enjoy it. Because I do remember, like, I remember my, my mom would just, like, settle down for the night, and, like, one of her friends would call, and they would just sit there. She'd mute the TV, and she'd just sit in her chair, and they'd just rap. Literally rap. They'd... they'd Rhyme. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. But anyway, what kind of... I know that we got attacked. I know that some U.S. facility in Iraq... Iraq... Eric... Somebody called me that. In high school. There was a girl who used to call me Iraq. thought that was clever. Nobody's ever done that. She's the only one. She was this girl who was into pop punk and I don't know. I think she ended up becoming a model or something, but uh, she used to call me Iraq. When I was a little kid, my sister's friend used to call me earwig. I like that too. That's clever. Eric earwig. And then getting called Iraq. Somebody, people should call me. I should just go by that. I should just be like, my name's Iraq. Iraq. But yeah, I saw that a U.S. facility got missiles launched at it. And the thing is, I saw that, I saw the video and everything, and I'm like, I don't even know how common this is. Is Because people were making a big deal out of it, and it is a big deal. But I had this thought where I was like, I don't even know how common this is. It doesn't seem like an everyday occurrence, and the timing is crazy with everything going on. But I was like, yeah, I don't, is this something that happens once a year? Is this something that happens never? Like, I know when we were fighting in Iraq that uh, obviously insurgents and Al-Qaeda, our old buddy Al-Qaeda, Albert Qaeda, I know that they would attack us, there'd be bombings and things like that, but I'm like, how rare is it that 
a country just launches missiles at one of our bases or our facilities in a foreign country. And I mean, it's kind of insane that we just have those things in other countries. But they said Iran did it. And I don't trust anything anymore. They probably did. But I don't even know what to believe. And then I'm like, well, what's the response to that? How do we respond to that if that's true? That's the insane thing. Is it's just like things demand a response. We're already there's already all this tension with Russia, Russa, Russo, and I'm just like, how realistic is it? I mean, like, I, I've seen all the people talk about, oh, World War Three, we're on the verge of World War Three. Oh my God! They got they got nuclear devices. You know, you hear about all that stuff, and I'm just like, how realistic even is any of that? How realistic is that? Like, like what are the chances? I know nobody can actually break down the math. There's no way to actually measure it. But I'm just like, how realistic is it that we are kind of teetering on the edge of something that large? I mean, I, I really have no clue anymore. Not that I ever did. I saw a video, too, of people in Santa Monica, where my friend lives. And they were they were doing this march down the streets where they had a giant, long, like a 50-foot-long Ukrainian flag. And they were all holding it above their heads. And a stream of people was like, they were either carrying it or it was like, they were like passing it along. But it was like this 50-foot Ukrainian flag. And then there were people lining the streets. It was a parade. And people were lining the streets on each side, waving little Ukrainian flags. And I was just like, would those people do that with American flags? Like, those, like I don't want to assume anything, but those don't seem like the kind of people. Based on the sort of people I'm seeing who have gotten into this ukraine flag thing they seem like the kind of people who hate nationalism and take offense to just the american flag at this point like that time that i i made the video of my well that i found the giant american flag for free in someone's yard they said that, it, that somebody just left it in their yard i think i talked about this recently but a few years ago when somebody left a giant American flag in their yard and said, like, somebody left this here. Is it yours? And so I took it home and I, you know, I made a video of myself carrying it because it was so absurd. I never thought I'd be I'd be carrying a giant American flag on a pole over my shoulder with my shirt off. But how when I met up with my friend's boyfriend later that night, he was like, hey, when I saw that, I, I wasn't sure if that was like a racist thing you were doing. And that's a lot of people's mindset. Like, they'll think nothing. Not that he is doing the Ukraine thing. I don't know what he's up to. But there's a lot of people where it's like, if you're even seen with an American flag, it's like, oh, he might be a, a racist nationalist. But yet you can wave a foreign country's flag. And it's this different sort of signal. But watching these people with these flags and this giant flag that they were, like, carrying over their heads, it didn't even look human. It really looked like, I don't know, it just, it just looked like those people are gone. Like they are so, they are so deep in, um, they've been so psychologically compromised that it's like, I didn't even feel like I was looking at real people. Like whatever it was, and, you know, I believe in people having the freedom to do what they want. But looking at them, I was like, I don't even feel like these are real people anymore. Not in a dehumanizing way. Just in a, like, what led them to do that? That doesn't seem like a decision that an individual human being would make. That I'm going to go participate in a parade and rally for the Ukraine in the streets of Santa Monica. And we're all going to spend a bunch of money on Ukrainian flags. Like, please support Ukraine if you want to. But just to, that the whole action is just how suddenly it's taken, they've taken it on, too. But, you know, I have to admit, 
and I hate to admit this, but I do like that shit is still happening because I think the last couple years I've kind of gotten uh, I've kind of gotten addicted to crazy shit happening. And when stuff's not going on, not that I want anybody anybody to ever get hurt, but when crazy stuff isn't going on, I'm almost like, when is it going to happen again? I got so you you know, like I've said before, it's like my mom died. Two and a half months later was coronavirus lockdown. Well, like two and a half months after that was summer 2020. That like that phased out. A couple months after that was the erection. The presidential erection. A couple months after that was January 666. And then 2021 just entered into like this, uh, like where things weren't happening for a while, but there was still all this anger and tension about vax. But I have to say, like, it, it definitely entered a point where I was in this sort of like this depression where I felt like the only thing that would knock me out of it was for like some major thing to happen again that's not necessarily good. And it didn't, it's not a good way to feel. Like, not to compare myself to a battle veteran or anybody, but, you know, like you hear about people who have experienced combat and they come home and they want nothing more than to go back out into combat. Not that it's comp comparable at all, but it's like you're used to action. You're used to checking your computer and seeing like, oh, this happened today. Oh, this crazy thing. Something I never expected is happening. And even if you don't like it, you can get kind of addicted to crazy things happening because it's interesting. It's not that you find it good. It's that, oh, this is interesting. And I don't like that I feel that way. But there is a part of me that kind of likes that Shit is happening right now. You know, because it just it makes you go, okay. Anything could happen right now. And as this uh, Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine thing is stretched on, it's just sort of like, oh, this is just, it, 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 it just kind of melts into the normalcy. It just kind of becomes this new... Not not the new normal, I hate that term. But it does become kind of the new normal. Where it's just like, oh, it's been two and a half weeks or whatever of uh, Russia and Ukraine at war and nonstop debate and fighting over it. And But then like now it seems like it, it's old hat. It's just like, oh yeah, they're fighting over there. And so it's like you almost want something else to happen, but you can't ever want that. You can't actually let yourself want bad things to happen. But uh, what else do I got? I'm supposed to record a do a test podcast tomorrow with a bunch of guys bunch of mafia researchers. It's something I really want to do. We've been talking about it for a while. I'm a little uh, apprehensive, though, because there's about four of us who have really good conversations, and we've, we've kind of brought other people in here and there. And I feel like four is the right number because there's some guys who just kind of like to sit back and they'll add their two cents and so it ends up feeling kind of natural and the conversation goes in all kinds of different directions. But my buddy who's, who kind of organized it, he invited six people. And not all of them have talked to each other before. One of them I don't think has ever talked to any of us on the phone. He's a guy who, he's around. He's a guy that I, I'm familiar with him. He, uh, he's, I think he's a little older than I am. And when he was younger, he did bookmaking, like he was a bookie. Not He wasn't a gangster or anything, but he has a little experience with 
illegal gambling. And most of us are all just researchers. You know, we don't have any experience like that. But I don't know when he, I got this group message and there's six people on it. And I'm just like, ah, it's, that's chaos. You don't want six people on the line. Like people are going to talk over each other. It's going to be awkward. Six people's too much. If somebody listens to it, if we release it, people aren't, aren't going to know who's talking. They're not going to know who's who. But, you know, I, I just said to myself, I was like, I, I could say something. I could say, like, six people is too much. Because what it should be, it should be focus groups. Like, you should get certain people that have similar expertise to, to have, like, a four-person conversation. But having, like, six, that many is just, it, I'm just like, man, it's going to be a free-for-all. But I decided, I was like, you know, I don't need to micromanage this. I don't need to be in control. I'm just going to be there. Just going to see how it goes. I don't need to throw my opinion out there and like try to control the situation. Because it's easy to do that. I mean, I and I'm usually that way. That's why I like to do things alone. Because the reality is I'm, I have very strong preferences. And... Uh, I do like things to be done a certain way. But it's nice to just kind of be like, hey, you know what? I'm not the one driving the car this time. There's going to be a lot of people in the car. But uh, it's nice to not have to be the one driving because I can just say, you know what? It wasn't my idea. And if it goes well, well, hey, there you go. It was a good idea. <laughs> if it goes well, it goes well. Nobody needs to think anything. But it should be an interesting experience, you know, talking on the phone. And you get a feel for other people. You know, it's funny to talk to other people on the phone because there's a couple guys I've talked to, and they're you can have a great conversation with them about anything. That's what I noticed. Like, the gangsters aren't going to be on it. You know, I've mentioned before, having last year talking to those guys who are former gangsters. And those guys can talk. You know, those guys are great talkers. They spent years, like before they went into witness protection, and I don't think they're in they're not in witness protection anymore because things are pretty safe. The mob doesn't go after informants or anything. But those guys spent like most of their lives sitting around in clubs and cafes, just shooting the shit. So of course those guys and those guys are charismatic too. But with researchers and historians and stuff, you know, you don't always know if they're going to be able to talk. And, you know, some people like speak well, but they they don't really carry a conversation. Whereas some people like like a, a new friend of mine, he's from uh, Chicago. He, you know, he just goes off. And, you know, I, I really respect that. Like I really I've, I've grown a great appreciation for people who can just talk. You know, you don't always want them to do it. You don't want people to be that bank manager when I was on Mushrooms who butts in and says, oh, what's this for? Did you, did you sell something on eBay? You don't want people to be, you don't want them to butt in and ask unnecessary questions and make unnecessary comments. But I've, I've grown a great appreciation for people who can just shoot the shit. And I do feel like that's a lost art. Because I noticed that a lot of people from my generation and a little bit younger, they have these kind of like default topics, but they're not good conversationalists. Like they'll bring up things they saw online. And I mean, I, I do that sometimes, but they'll bring up like something they saw online. Like they basically talk like Reddit users and they may or may not be. But there's a lot of people, younger people now, where when they do have conversations, they just come across like Reddit users making a comment about something. And it's usually some sort of Reddit joke or Reddit observation. And that doesn't work for me. And when I talk to somebody, whether they're my age or however old they are, and they can just shoot the shit about anything, preferably something interesting, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is like talking to a, a 60-year-old. This is like talking to a 50-year-old. This is something that people just don't know how to do anymore. Like when I was a kid, my mom was very talkative. And like when she would take me to go go places, like she would do that with people. She was very outgoing. 
And as a kid, I was kind of like, oh, do we really need to sit here and talk? Good. Do we really need to sit here and just talk? To st- You're never going to talk to this person again. You're never going to have a conversation with this person again. But now I look back on that and I'm like, there's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about just going somewhere and just talking to a stranger about something for a few minutes and just carrying, you know, going on the rest of your day and not thinking like, oh, I'm building a, a friendship here. You're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just talking to somebody. And then I'm going to go on and do something else and never think about it again. I have a greater appreciation for that. Anyway, I'm going to close off here. Lost an hour, lost at Wordle. My first loss at Wordle, but the pressure's off. I highly recommend it. If you're into language and words, it's a really satisfying game. It's like solving a puzzle. It really is. It's like solving a puzzle, finding that word. You know what? I think I'm going to actually... Right now, I'm going to go play Wordle Unlimited. Because uh, I, I, since I lost, I need to practice more. And I also need to remember what it feels like to win. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free